The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. I'm a huge fan of Simply Safe, and it's ready for anything that gets thrown at it. Whether it's a storm taking out your power, Simply Safe is ready. Intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. They could destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will get you the help you need. Sure, it may be overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security so great. It's always ready. Sam installed it. I installed it. We are loving it. It was so easy to install. The instructions were great. The customer service has been fantastic. And best of all, it does not cost an arm and a leg. Instead, they only charge you what's fair. 24-7 professional security monitoring is just $14.99 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. I simply recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to check it out, and you can do it right now. It's simplysafe.com slash PFF. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash PFF for as little as $14.99 a month. PFF Podcast is also brought to you by True Car. Hey there, diehards. Here are some football facts that even you might not know about. The first football game was played in 1869. In an average game, the ball is typically in play for only about 11 minutes. And finally, pizza consumption rates go up during the week of a big game. Okay, you probably knew that last one. But here's another fact you might not know that's actually really useful, especially if you plan on tailgating. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With our certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here along with Sam Monson. We're live again on YouTube. Hello to our YouTube friends. Hopefully you guys are starting to make this a uh, little weekly tradition, right? Just tune in every Monday to the podcast and then download it later to listen to on the way to work. Yeah. Take it on all channels because 
Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you help us out like that? We help you out with football, you know, knowledge, insight, all that kind of stuff. You need to help us out as well. It is a uh, it's a team effort here. We got a tweet this weekend uh, from a guy. I do forget his name on Twitter where he had the underthrow. He saw the underthrown deep ball, and it was a pass interference. And I think I tweeted about it because it's just my my thing, right? And he was like, "Man, Sam's gr- uh, gears must be ground." Gears were ground on that. Yeah, somebody else was. Uh, th- this was like news to them. That Joe Flacco had built a long and glorious career of just underthrowing the deep ball because it happened when he was. There was one play in that game where he got sacked from behind, right? And he was winding up to uncork. Oh, he was ready to uncork a ten-yard underthrown deep ball in that play. Like he was. It was so late in the play. He was ready. He was, you know, doing the whole step forward into it. It was going to be like 15 yards underthrown. He was looking for de- uh, defensive pass interference on the play. So I kind of tweeted out something like that. And people were like, is he known for that? It's like, I mean, only amongst people that have seen Ravens games yeah. ever. We were watching together. You were like, oh, yeah, he was, he was setting up that underthrown right. deep We ball. should look into this at some point. But I was saying that Torrey Smith probably has like a whole second career's worth of stats just on like defensive pass interference on the go ball. We do need to dig into it. No, it's great. Uh, but the point was, our listeners are, uh, you guys are one with us. You know, it's just this, you know, football watching experience that we share together, watch some of the same things. And it's always great getting tweets when people see stuff uh, that we always like to point out. Um, so we're going to review week seven. Uh, we'll hit on a bunch of the big games. We'll try to touch on everything at least a little bit. Let's start. Where do you want to start? Let's start with your Thursday night prediction. Mm-hmm. You predicted a Case Keenum redemption game. He played pretty well. You win. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking that as a victory. Okay, it was a lot of defense in that game. The Denver defense showed up again. They, they've kind of been, I don't want to say they've been hit and miss. They've had some really strong outings. They've come as close as anybody to slowing down the two best offenses in the league. Um, and they did a pretty good job here against the Cardinals, multiple pick sixes. Uh, Case Keenan played okay, so I'm going to take that as a win. It was really a win for Von Miller, though, yeah. who predicted that they were going to dominate, essentially. And he had 10 pressures. He backed it up. 10 pressures. Kicked their asses, I believe, the term he was using. Is that what he said? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, he was right. Yeah. Two sacks, both uh, strip sacks. Three QB hits and five hurries. Yeah. 91 points. Von Miller okay. going up against Andre Smith, the right tackle, always had bloodbath written all over it. That dip move that he put on him, though, too? Yeah. Wasn't even touched. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, he also, there was a, a post I tweeted where he... Um, came inside, destroyed the guard, like literally just flattened him on, you know, a stunt. Then somehow, so they both went to ground. It was such a clattering that they both went to ground, flying off to the left of the field. And Josh Rosen steps up into that space and tries to scramble away. Somehow, like mid-fall, Von Miller is able to regain himself and spring back in the direction of Josh Rosen, chase him down and force a fumble. Yes. Like, it's unbelievable, like, ability to move body control that people just don't have vaughn was uh at a special level last thursday night in what was a pretty bad game 45 to 10 denver win over the arizona cardinals let's get into some of the bigger action from sunday you want to start new england bears okay patriots bears 38 to 31 victory patriots over the bears really a weird game uh mitch trubisky continues to really play poorly from a pure passing standpoint, but have good stats. Yeah. Uh, the biggest disconnect between PFF grade, we'll see what happens when the finalized grades are out there, but he came into the week at 33rd, and then he was, it, it's, that's going to drop. Well, this one at least his passer rating is low, you know, whereas before we were trying right. to explain why he was 
grading badly despite an excellent passer rating. This time, at least, his passer rating kind of sucked as well because well, he threw some picks. I'm more talking about for the season. He's yeah, still yeah. almost at 100 for a passer rating right. for the season. But even this game, it's like 300 yards, two touchdowns. But thankfully, there was a couple of picks. So you can at least, you yeah. know, everyone, at least everybody is not trying to argue that he's playing really well right now. And those picks easily could have been four or five. He almost had four red zone picks in isolation, just in the red zone. Still can't pass left. Still can't pass left. Two completions to the left. Um, had some sweet runs. He had a great touchdown run, had a 39-yard run where the Patriots were just like, oh, you're the quarterback, we can't touch you, but they forgot once he mm. you know, crosses the line of scrimmage, you can. Yeah, the touchdown run, was nice. I don't think, I mean, walk maybe better encapsulated what that actually was by the end of it. By the end of it, yeah. Well, so he did a pretty good job uh, running. I've seen other numbers that have him having a pretty good season. We are not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of uh, teammates helping him out, scheme helping him out, and getting a ton of interception luck, even though he did end up throwing the two yesterday. And New England scores 38. They continue to score a ton of points, but this wasn't all offense. This was blocked punt, return for a touchdown, and a kick return for a touchdown by Cordero. Yeah, so that kick return touchdown, by the way, was beautiful. Like, he got whatever it was, 30, 40 yards upfield, then hit this move on the guy coming in to get him, which not only took that guy out, but that guy was so completely out of it that he took the chasing defender out of it as well, and then he was gone. Like, Cordero Patterson is now, I think, three touchdowns away from the all-time kick return touchdown record in an era where the NFL is trying to get rid of the kickoff return. Yeah, it's like, impressive. He may, he may, well, one of two things. Either he may not get there because they're actually going to eliminate the kickoff at some point, or he's going to actually tie or break that record at a time where the league is trying to get rid of the kickoff. Either way, it's pretty ridiculous. He, I think, now has either passed or become or second to Gale Sayers in terms of average return distance in a league where, obviously, since it's Gale Sayers, nobody has touched that. Like, he is legitimately the best kick return guy in the league by a distance. It's just a shame that the league is actually trying to purge that play from the lexicon. It is. Um, yeah, it is impressive that he's been that good. This Bears defense, again, is just not the same unit with Khalil Mack banged up. He had only two hurries uh, all game, only 16 pass rushes, but just that dif- that defense is completely different when he is wrecking people at right, uh, you know, on the, the right-hand side of that defensive line. Yeah, he is, and it, they, didn't, they did not attack Brady a lot. They only blissed him five times out of 38 dropbacks. So it did seem like Brady had a lot of time, and the numbers do back that up. Only 10 pressure dropbacks out of those 38. So there was not a lot of pressure on Brady in this one. And then from a, uh, on the other side of the ball, again, a weird game. New England turned the ball over a couple times. Bears had a few short fields. They scored a ton of points. But the Patriots' defense, uh, not looking great either. So it's, it's two teams who are you know, near the top of the conference, their respective conferences coming in, and there's some good, some bad that came out of this 38-31 to win for New England that almost became a dramatic finish with that Hail Mary stuffed at the one-yard line. Yeah, a Hail Mary that was completed and didn't end up scoring. because well, There's was... another stat inflator for, uh, for <laughs> yeah. Mitchell. Yeah, what was that, like 60-something, 60, 60 yards or whatever, yeah. attacked on the end for a completion that ended up being inconsequential? 60 free yards. Uh, Trubisky really did struggle under pressure. Thir- three for 15 under pressure, and that's five been- for 20. Here's, here's the thing. His blitz numbers, have just, he's been horrendous yeah. against the blitz. Yesterday, five for 20 with a 56 passer rating against the blitz. I mean, he's been terrible against the blitz and under pressure, period, This yeah. uh, so far this season, and that's not changing. Like, his passer rating from a clean pocket this season is 109 
which is very, very good. He's completing 72% of his passes when kept clean. Yards per 10 to 8.1. Those numbers all fall off a cliff when he's pressured. So he's yet to throw a touchdown under pressure. Pass rating of 46.5. Completing 39% of his passes under pressure and an average at 5.3. So, I mean, really, that's the story of him at the moment. If you keep him clean, he's fine. If you... If there's any pressure or there's a blitz, he's toast. And a lot of that fine, I still think, is is scheme-driven. Sure, yeah. I'm, not like, I'm, not, I'm just not liking the way Mitchell's playing, other than that Bucks game. So, uh, just something to keep an eye on. He's a guy that um, looks like a regression candidate from a statistical standpoint, or you just give so much credit to the scheme and what they're able to do because they have a quarterback who's playing amongst the worst in the NFL per our grades but the numbers just have not we, shown that You yet. said it earlier that he kind of looks like rookie season Jared Goff, only instead of the worst quarterback situation in the league, he has maybe the best. Yeah, definitely one of the best. I mean, you still uh, Mahomes and, with, yeah, yeah. You know, some of the, and but he's now, he's at that end of the scale as opposed to the other end. So oh, yeah. Goff jumped forward when he went from the bad end of the scale to the good end of the scale in terms right. of supporting cast. Trubisky's already at the good end of the scale and is playing badly. And he's That's playing not poorly. Good. And you see the difference. Goff's numbers were terrible. That matched his play. Trubisky's aren't. Um, it's just a, just an interesting way of looking at things, I think, when we're doing this um, throw-by-throw, play-by-play grade. And credit him as a runner, though. He made some big plays yesterday and uh, did help keep the Bears in the game uh, we mentioned the chiefs a couple minutes ago in that situation it really was incredible just watching that just they dissect the cincinnati bengals crushed them 45 to 10 and you could just see it is so how do you stop them how you do you stop the chiefs and all those playmakers and patrick mahomes at the helm you can't um it really is what it comes down to. This is one of the all-time great offenses. You know, people are rattling off the offenses of the past sort of 20 years and where this ranks. And it's up there with that, you know, 2013 Denver Broncos, the Peyton Manning team, the, the Brady 2007 Patriots, the 98 Vikings, the 99 Rams. It's up there with all of those great offenses. Where it differs, at least from all of them except Denver maybe, is that teams can't play defense anymore. Like, the league is neutered defenses. So, certainly from those late 90s teams, and probably even from the 07 Patriots team, you can't defend like you could. You can't get aggressive with receivers as much. You can't do any of the things you used to be able to do. You can't hit these guys the same way. So, you, you literally can't defend a, a great offense the way you used to be able to. So, they're inherently going to be more potent and more dangerous. Like, that game last night went half the way we expected it to, which is... The, uh, the Chiefs are going to score a bunch of points. If the Bengals can't get any serious pressure on them, which they couldn't, can they match them in a shootout? And the answer was, hell no, they couldn't. Somehow the Bengals couldn't score on the Chiefs' worst defense. But I don't think you can stop this offense. I think you're going to have to either keep pace with them or get lucky when it comes to turnovers. Yeah, and the scary thing about them, I think you know, the boss, Chris Collinsworth, mentioned it last night. He had only had three Mahomes. Only three touchdown passes at home yeah. coming into the game. They haven't played a ton of home games. They haven't played the Raiders yet. They still have to play the Raiders twice. Yep. I mean, so they've been putting up crazy numbers in probably the more difficult part of their schedule. Now, they still have the Rams to play. That's going to be potentially epic over in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be probably the game of the year. Uh, but, you know, unless Mahomes... We saw him have some Farvey-type moments against New England. I, I honestly think it's just, it's just going to come down to him. It's almost like when you're defending like a Drew Brees or 
uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if there's so much that you could do to slow them down other than just hope they have a bad game and they'll, they have bad games. And that's back. exactly what it is. You basically have to get lucky and, and come into their bad game at the right time. And that's what all these great offenses in the past, that's been the thing that slowed them down. Almost all these teams, there's one game somewhere in the season where there's a hiccup and they lose right. a game. Like, you know, the 15-1 and Minnesota Vikings. They had one game where they randomly just had a hiccup and didn't put up the points and they lost the game. Is right? that your favorite team of all time? I honestly think that's the best comp for this offense. If you start going player by player, Tyree Kill is your Randy Moss, right? Not because he compares directly to Randy Moss, but because if you forget about it, it only takes one play. You can, yeah. forget, you can keep him bottled up for the entire game, then there's one play and you miss your jam and he's 10 yards behind you and it's an 80-yard touchdown. We saw that with Tyree Kill last night. He dropped the pass, but you forgot about him for a second and bam, that would have been your touchdown. That's where Tyree Kill is. It's, a, it's the same type of offense again because when you think you've got everybody under control, the guy you forgot about has a huge game. Yeah. So we, we worry about Tyree Kill. We worry about Travis Kelsey, um, everything else. And then suddenly, oh crap, Kareem Hunt is really good now he's breaking tackles and we can't stop him yep. like this offense I think is very very like that 98 Vikings offense but the difference as I was saying before is now teams can't actually defend it so it's like you transport that offense back to now it's so much harder to defend the funny thing about Tyree Kill is if he was just a receiver that lined up out wide he's dangerous but he's also the guy that has to do the gimmick stuff for them as well so he really is Outside, dangerous outside receiver, but also you put him inside in the slot and he's creating mismatches. You put him in the backfield, you give him swing pass. I mean, there's so many different ways to use him uh, that it is that much scarier. Mahomes has the highest percentage of open throws in the league and it's not even close. Yeah. We're going to check what the updated numbers are um, once we have them after today. But coming in, wasn't even close. And eyeballing last night's game. Still probably not close. So credit to Mahomes, but also credit the scheme. I mean, this is the perfect marriage of scheme, personnel, and a very good young quarterback in if Patrick Mahomes. The only area I can even see that offense being vulnerable is the interior. That offensive line is not fantastic. And when they run into a team like the Rams that have an Aaron Donald who's capable of wrecking an offensive line on his own, maybe that's enough to slow them down, but that's yeah. it. I mean, I still think there's a... You still want to keep Mahomes in the pocket. If you play with really good pad level and compress the pocket and you make him make good decision after good decision after good decision, perhaps he'll, he'll make a few bad ones. He'll heave, he still heaved one up in a, or a couple bad ones into traffic yesterday. So it's not impossible. But again, two weeks ago, in their worst game on the road against New England, they yeah, scored 40. Exactly. That's the scary thing about them is that they're not playing perfectly, right? They're not playing at this level where you think that's completely unsustainable. They're making no mistakes they can't continue this level like they're putting up this level of points and yardage while still screwing up a lot of plays Tyreek Hill had two drops one of them was a touchdown yesterday um, Spencer Ware fell over twice when he would have scored touchdowns like they're making a bunch of mistakes and still putting up 45 yeah it's crazy pretty <laughs> yeah. impressive we'll have a video we'll have a YouTube video can you stop the Kansas City Chiefs later today you're in that one so be ready okay on the YouTube channel all right, let's fly around the rest of the league. Anything else in particular that stood out to you that you wanted to touch on? Uh, the, worst, the worst decision of the weekend? The worst decision of the weekend? It was a fake throw. A throw. What was that? The Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for some reason, Cousins decided to throw the ball away on a quick kind of wide receiver swing pass, but he threw it away backwards, which obviously is a fumble and therefore a live ball. 
Um, and it was such an inexplicably bad decision that it took Stefan Diggs, the target, like a second to look at the ball bouncing around the ground yeah. and then realize, oh, crap, that's live. I need to actually jump on that. That was rough. That was, yeah, bizarre. That, between that decision and I mentioned in the office earlier today, Kirk Cousins taking a knee yeah. when he meant to spike it two years ago. He does have those weird brain farts in him. It's like two just, of the worst decisions I've ever seen on a football field. Yeah, that was weird. Overall, Cousins has been excellent this season. Wasn't great yesterday, including that bad decision. And then on the other side, Sam Darnold. He did come back down to earth. Uh, that was one of the matchups I really wanted to watch going forward. Him against a Mike Zimmer defense, and it was... Mike Zimmer. It looked like Mike Zimmer versus a rookie. Yeah, that was a strange game because for the majority of the game, it felt like the Vikings should have been like 20 points ahead and they weren't. But it was was, close. Yeah, yeah. and it it never kind of got more than 10. And then at the end, it got a bit out of control and got back to the 20 point game should have been all the way along. So it was a weird game. Um, Adam Thielen remains awesome. Now seven consecutive 100-yard games, which is the record to start a season, but one shy, I think, of the record all time, like at any point in the season. So he's one game, one 100-yard game away from tying the all-time record. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, The Wembley game, Titans and Chargers. Yeah. Heartbreaker for the Titans. Yeah. And the... uh, Chargers for, just continue to roll. Good for Mike Vrabel, though. He went for two. Yeah. Because not going for two would have screwed up our Wembley hit on Sky Sports, right? <laughs> so Mike understood that in order to get PFF on TV, FaceTime. he needed to go for two to either win or lose the game, just not send it to overtime, and that's what he did. Um, and again, like people are hammering this decision. It's clearly the right call. Here's the thing. You have one shot. One play, it's probably a 50-50 proposition at worst to convert that play. And that is a better odds than it is to extend the game that you're a massive underdog in. Yes. Even if you're rolling at that point in time. It's just a better call. That's the thing that people don't understand is when you tie the game, you still have a, in theory, of a 50-50 shot if all things are equal. Yeah. You're still at the mercy of a coin toss and playing a full overtime period. And that's if all things are equal, which they're not. So if you're calling the two point, so if we're saying all things are equal, just for now, the two point conversion, let's say, is 50 50, and that's about, you know, it's actually higher. Yeah. Let's say it's 50 50, and then you kick the extra point, you go to overtime, and that's 50 50. You're still dealing with this 50 50 odds of winning the game. But when you factor in the other things, the two point conversion actually is more likely to happen. There is a chance. You could miss the extra point, as we saw. Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the NFL, missed an extra point. And then the whole overtime Then you're restarting a quarter against a team that is massively favored against you, even if you've been winning over the past quarter or so. Yeah. So having your team have one shot to win a game two yards away Mm -hmm. is actually a favorable play. So again, I think going for it was the right decision. Just go for it better. Like... The, take issue with the play call. Don't take issue with the decision. That's what these come down to so many times, is that going for it was the right call. Going for it in the manner you went for it was the bad decision. And people always call it risky. You know, like, oh, this is risky going for this fourth down, or this is risky going. But I, I like our, our guys keep hammering. It's like, actually, it's riskier to punt. I mean, if you're really playing the odds, it's riskier to punt, or it's riskier to kick the extra point and go to overtime. If, if you're truly looking at it from a yep. probability standpoint. Uh, Philip Rivers continues to play extremely well. Uh, I think he's firmly, and I know you don't love the MVP mm. discussion, but the people that are having the MVP discussion are going to include Philip Rivers. That's right. all I'm saying. Well, they can have We're not going to have that discussion. No. We're not. But there are people out there yeah. 
who are going to have it. Well, as long as they have it away from me, we're all good. Um, sadly, now, if we check Derwin James, no sacks. No. Um, falling way behind Bradley Chubb yeah. in our update. So Bradley Chubb, is he at seven, I think? Yeah, he had two more, right? Despite grading pretty badly. He didn't grade well, but he still had two sacks. That was Bradley Chubb. Derwin James, the Chargers don't understand. They well, need they to gave rush him, him more. two pass rushes. That's what I mean. They don't understand what's happening here, what he needs to be doing. Yeah. It's the best pass rusher on their team mm, until Bosa okay. gets back. He's right up there with Melvin Ingram. Sure. Desmond King with another nice game. Yeah, he's kind of he's at least getting back in shape. Um, this, the rest of that secondary is still playing dramatically under where they should be, but he did. Yep. Cool. So uh, Chargers keep rolling, and uh, yeah, they're in they're in pretty good shape. Why do, are we waiting for the Chargers' wheels to fall off just because of the Chargers, or can we? Just no, have some good objective analysis here and say they're a really, really good football I team. I think they're back on track. It's just that they now are staring at a division where the Chiefs are runaway locomotives, and obviously the Patriots will be back right. by the end of the season. So th- this whole feel-good Chargers Super Bowl thing that Mike had going, like even if you say, okay, they're back, they've got their house back in order, like the, the task in front of them appears to be significantly larger than it was when we were talking about that. And the Chargers' only two losses to the, Chief, uh, to the Chiefs, and to the Rams. Yeah. To the two best teams. Enough. Potentially two of the best teams in the NFL, at least record-wise. And they still have to go to Kansas City, where they have not had no. much success. But could be different this time. Could be different. Let's fly through some of the other stuff. We've got the Colts beating the Bills 37-5. to Oh, God. 37-5. to Yeah. I mean, Derek Anderson only had three interceptions. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you had a full game of Peterman, you're looking at five or six. Yeah, you know the way we've always talked about how passing from a clean pocket is the easier thing to do, and quarterbacks typically have a passer rating over 100, that kind of thing? Not always. Derek Anderson's passer rating from a clean pocket against the Colts was 39.8, which oh, is God. marginally higher than if he'd just thrown the ball at the floor every single play. Like it. Um, which, admittedly, is significantly harder than actually you know Nathan Peterman going out there and just throwing the ball to defenders. So... I mean, yeah, that went pretty terribly. Yeah. But probably still better than Peterman would have managed. Yeah. I mean, it's actually impressive how bad the quarterback situation in Buffalo is right now. Now, obviously, Josh Allen is a high-variance, volatile rookie who's now wrecked his elbow. So, you know, he's a, let's put a pin in the Josh Allen thing. But the idea that the next two options are Nathan Peterman... And then signing Derek Anderson off the street, who's one claim to fame as a half-decent season back in 07. Like, that's terrible. In a league where we keep saying, it's pretty, you know, a lot of teams happy with their quarterback situation, for the yeah. most part. There's yeah. actually some good backups out there to be sure. Had. Go trade for Sam Bradford. Oh. The Sam Bradford backup. No, that wouldn't work out well with that supporting cast. Anyway, that was an ugly one. Let's get to the uh, Texans at the Jaguars. Uh, you... A couple weeks ago, you said that Blake Bortles was bad. I yeah. defended him and said he was closer to average. Mm-hmm. Since you called Blake Bortles bad, yeah. he's been bad. Yeah, really bad. Bad to the point where he got benched. He did. Mm. For your boy. Cody. Cody Kessler, who also played pretty bad, but let's not dwell on that. Oh, man. Um, what do you do in Jacksonville right now? I mean, you know, you're pretty close to, uh, like... They probably can't go on with Blake Bortles as a quarterback. Like, he's been bad to the point where this doesn't function, and it should function because there's a bunch of other stuff that's 
very good on that team. The defense, the defense has been less good than it was a year ago, but it still should be the strength of that team. They should be in a position where they can run the ball okay. Look, they've... Like we said before, the only way that offense functions is if they dumb the quarterback position down enough to the point where any Muppet can do it. So this was, this was the reason why our projections were not favorable to them. Because when you look at their season last year, yes, they ran the ball a lot, therefore had a lot of rushing yards. Their defense was excellent. Defense is hard. It's hard to be that good year in, year out yeah. defensively. The offense is just more consistent in general. And you just inherently expect you're going to have to rely on the quarterback more. Bortles does have this knack. It's kind of like he's not in Matt's... I'm going to make a comparison here. I'm going to bring back the comparison. He's not as good as Matthew Stafford. Can I get that out of the way? You can. But the same way Matthew Stafford has three games... Matthew Stafford has three games a year that make him look like a top three quarterback. Yeah. Blake Bortles has three or four games a year that make him look like a viable to good quarterback. Uh Not top three, but viable to good. And And it's just enough... To say, okay, we could do this. That was week two against New England. He was near perfect. Yeah. It was week four against the Jets. He looked excellent. Last year, we had a four-game stretch. We're like, man, does he turn it around, or is this just the three-game stretch? But their problem is they cannot rely on those three games coming in the playoffs should they even get to the playoffs, which is no longer looking like a certain thing, right? So last year... That made so last year they came late enough in the game where you're kind of like, ooh, this is it's happening, right? It's happening right at the right time. It's when it happens be, late, it's it's going to be yeah. Joe Flacco. He's going to turn right. it on for the playoffs. We're going to go to the promised land. We're going to win a Super Bowl. Now we're already behind. We're already under 500. We've had a couple of the decent Gate Bortles games. Like the, it's almost like all the juice has already been used. We're never. This is never coming right at the at the right time. What we need now is for your quarterback just not to throw up to throw away the game every single game. At which point, I honestly think they're better off going with Kessler for the remainder of the season on the basis that he's not a good quarterback, but he's way less likely to toss the ball away and lose the game for you. So they can at least get to the formula, which is, okay, if we don't turn it over, we give our defense a chance. And their defense wasn't bad yesterday. Yeah. Actually, they did tear it up up front. It just, when you, when you lose 20 to 7, it's like, all right, well, we had a, we lost. So then you assume one of two things happens, right? Either Kessler is just about competent enough that this team gets back on track and wins these close games and gets to the playoffs and whatever, or the whole thing is a disaster. Kessler sucks and you're blowing up the quarterback position for next year. Either way, it at least gives you an idea of, you know, something better than just sticking out with Bortles and rolling the dice every single week. Right. That maybe this won't be the week he sucks. Maybe it'll be one of those three or four games. Uh, credit the Texans. I mean, they're, they're creeping back into the, into the race here after starting out really slow and, and not looking good. They put Deshaun Watson on a bus to Jacksonville. Yeah. A 12-hour ride because they were concerned enough that air pressure in a plane might be detrimental to his bruised lungs then send him out behind that offensive line in front of Calais Campbell because that wasn't going to be a problem to his lungs and his ribs yeah I mean harsh just looking at their offense grades they're still just in a rough spot I mean look they've won four straight very much you know they're back in this thing after starting out 0-3 but still sitting behind this offensive line. Watson's – a couple of weeks ago we were saying, hey, Watson's playing a little bit better than last year. That's kind of evened off. It's, it's going to be a challenge. The, the, on the bright side, though, yesterday it was kind of like their old-school defense, Javian Clowney, Whitney Merciless getting after it. Yeah. They were a couple of our highest-graded players of the week on but, the defensive side of the ball. So there's still some good coming out of that if the defense can maybe carry them a little it's bit. It's like what we said. It's, it's, at some point the beating he's taking is just going to catch up to him. Like, 
he's now out there with busted ribs and you know half a lung and whatever else he's dealing with. Like that's it, it's too much. You can't play well. Like it's one thing to play well in the face of unrelenting pressure all day long. Right. It's another thing to play well in the face of unrelenting pressure, which has already collapsed half your lung and busted up a couple of ribs. Like, you're just expecting too much of the guy. So you don't think that'll last, huh? No, I mean, the, the Houston Texans offensive line has now given up 113 total pressures, which is only one behind the Vikings. Um, they've given up, like, the second worst rate of pressure in the league ahead of only the Cardinals who have been, you know, conspiring to get Man. Josh Again, killed. the bottom end of these offensive lines are it's just, just miserable. Record-setting. So, you know, 113 total pressures to the Texans. The Saints have given up 37. Well, they had a bye week. Okay. The Rams have given up 39. Have they had a bye? No. Okay. The Bears, 41. So there's three teams with 41 or fewer. They've the had a bye. Texans have given up 113. What if they gave up 90 in that game where they had a bye to catch That up? would be a lot. Wow. Yeah, so look, there's uh, still enough question marks with the Texans, and uh, but give them credit. Getting back into this whole thing. Watson has to get on the bus again. 12 hours either way. That, I mean, that's going to suck. Just, just read the, study the playbook. Do you think it's like, is it at you least... just read the game plan the entire time. He probably, he just, he just consumed the game plan. Is it at least like a Jerry Jones party bus or like the Madden Cruiser? Like, they're not just sticking him on a Greyhound, right? No, I'd imagine he's not on a Greyhound. Yeah, because that would suck. It's at least a coach bus. Like a 12-hour journey. A really nice coach bus. In a a sweaty Greyhound. Maybe they borrowed Jerry Jones' bus. Maybe. I mean, no, no, it's Texans. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Either way, I wouldn't want to be on a 12-hour bus journey unless it was a really nice bus. Somebody needs to write a story. Somebody needs to ride with him and document. What what are you doing for 12 hours by yourself? Has Philip Rivers still got that, like, Mercedes van that's all kitted out like oh, a all his kids? party bus. I don't know. To go from San Diego to LA every week. I don't know. Where, where are they next week? Oh, they're, they're Thursday Night Football. The Chargers? I'm sorry, the, the Texans. I was going to say, because they're going from Wembley. That would be harsh. So what if the Texans had to go to Wembley? Ugh. Well, yeah. Well, then they presumably just fly from Jacksonville. Put them Except on a boat. you can't, yeah. I, I, I'd put them on a right. boat. I don't know how you're getting around that. So, I mean, next time they have a Wembley game... What do they do? I don't think you can get, like... Next year when he's got bruised ribs because they didn't fix the offensive line and they have to go to Wembley. Can you even get across the ocean in a boat in, inside a week? I don't know. I mean, that's a long way. They've done a lot with boats these days. I bet you can. Yeah? All right. Let's get just move on, Sam, please. I'm Lions just, at Dolphins, 32-21. to 21. Matthew Stafford, one of our highest-graded quarterbacks of the week. Yeah, Matthew Stafford playing well. He's Big quietly – so I think a lot of people wrote him off because he threw four picks in week one. Yeah. But he's quietly played really well and in a different way. I always talk about Stafford and his ups and downs and all that stuff. He's been very consistent these well, last he has. Few weeks. He's playing well. He, Matthew Stafford is having – like he's at the top end of the Stafford coaster right now. Yes. Um, part of that is because the Dolphins don't appear to be good, which we were That's preaching quite early. Just to give you an indication of how not good the Dolphins are. One of the things you were saying is that that, that offensive line from Miami is pretty miserable. Um, and that, again, was going to come back to haunt them. Their offensive line was so bad that it somehow allowed Deshaun Hand and Ashawn Robinson, two of the most inept pass-rushing defensive linemen I've ever seen in college. They, they were run-stuffing behemoths who did not pressure the quarterback. Almost as a like a matter of course, like a designed rule in that defense. They combined for uh, what do we got here? Thirteen total pressures on just uh, just what thirty forty three 
pass rushes. Yeah, not good. That like those are Aaron Donald numbers, and they came from two guys that don't really rush the passer. Ted Larson, Travis Swanson, Jesse Davis all struggled in pass protection. Uh, it did a Dolphins podcast last week, and you know I was trying to be positive. <laughs> Because it was a Dolphins podcast. How did that go? But I also tried to say, look, they're just one of those rosters where even the great, like nothing, nothing about them says, okay, they're going to maintain that they were four and two coming in. Yeah. They just didn't, nothing said, hey, this is a four and two team. Something's got to give at some point. They're just weak in bad spots. And uh, the offensive line had been, you know, overperforming essentially to, to that, you know, to this point until Sunday. Yeah. Defense, too. I mean, the defense, you know, should probably get torched week in, week out. Yeah. So, Lions, you know, they're they're just hanging around. Yeah, the NFC North is kind of chaotic now. Like the the team everyone's kind of started to win again a little bit. The the Bears have dropped a couple there, but the whole thing is chaos cuz uh and even more chaotic with the tie between Green Bay and Minnesota. I love it. Like that love division is chaos. a mess. Did you have anything else on the uh, Vikings Jets game before we move on? Uh, no, not really. I think we covered that. The Cousins thing, feeling like the defense, Donald. the Vikings defense played better, but there was a, it was a big windy game, so there was a lot of defense in that game. Um, You're starting to get into this effect of the elements, which I like. Well, like that Start was windy to the point where clearly passing wasn't yeah. going to be a big, you know. I thing. mean, it's a, it's an important part of the analysis: good conditions, domes versus wind versus the elements. I mean, it does it does affect both a lot defenses of what's played here. pretty well. Daryl Roberts had a really interesting game. He's a guy we talked about before. We I really liked coming out with a caveat, which is he's really good in coverage, but he's just physically not strong enough, and it manifests itself across the board, like tackling in the run game bad. When he gets uh, in during the course of routes, he can get muscled out of it by strong receivers, and at the catch point, he'll get beaten by strong receivers. And it was basically exactly what we saw in this game, right? We had Thielen score a touchdown against him almost immediately deep down the sideline, just beat him at the catch point. But then we get a deep route against Stephon Diggs, where he doesn't have to get physical, and he's in tight coverage, swats it away. Um, had a few plays like that. Also had a play in the run game where he just lowered his shoulder and like missed the running back. Like yeah. went to launch and just got run the hell over. But over the course of the game, he was targeted 16 times. Uh, gave up 11 catches. 16 times. For 88 yards, one of which was that 34-yard touchdown. But had two pass breakups, was in tight coverage a lot of the time. Was like This was like the most... Um, emblematic Daryl Roberts game you would ever see. This is exactly the guy we scouted coming out. Well, it's also, it's, well, yeah, it was because it was three games worth of targets that we got to watch yeah. to get to, you know, to get information. That's great. I love when a guy gets a whole bunch of action in the secondary to uh, see what he can do. Uh, Carolina Panthers at Philadelphia Eagles. They win 21-17. to uh, Philadelphia is burning for, according to, I think it was Ross Tucker was quote tweeting some you know the callers. You know in Philadelphia, people are people are upset. Well, now Philadelphia and Jacksonville next week in Wembley, which would presumably before the season look like the, yeah, <laughs> that was going to be the game of the year. Right now they're I think both three and four. Yeah, um, two of our top defensive lines and both teams that you know potential Super Bowl matchup and all this stuff. And the Eagles really let this one slip. The first thing to note is that Jason Peters with a busted up biceps looks bad. Uh, two hits, two hurries, a penalty in there as well. I'm not saying he's the big V. He's Vitae bad yet, but the difference between the two of them isn't significant anymore. You know, before Jason Peters to Vitae represented this colossal downgrade that was going to be a real problem for the offense. Now they're kind of in the same ballpark with as long as Peters is playing with a torn biceps. Um, so that 
like for the remainder of the season, Carson Wentz is now going to have to expect uh, pressure coming off the left tackle basically all game, which is a problem because that that's been arguably the best offensive line in the league for the past few years. Now it's not going to be. Wentz was playing such a good, clean game, and then at the end essentially tried to throw two game-ending picks and then held the ball forever and fumbled to end the game. Like, three plays that were just horrendous to finish. The first pick, the Eric Reed play, where Eric Reed almost makes a diving interception. Mm-hmm. I, how many times did you watch that replay looking for a tipped pass and the ball came out? It looked, it bortles out of his hand. Yeah. No, it that was unideal. wobbled right out of his hand and should have been the game-ending interception. Fletcher Cox remains pretty obscene. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that Aaron Donald was in the league, Fletcher Cox was way more obscene. Getting... Yeah, we'll be getting a hell of a lot more. Uh, Fletcher kudos. Cox is like Justin Smith, right? If he was by himself, we'd be like, oh, this is the best interior defensive yeah. lineman in the league, like Justin Smith was back I mean, in the Basically, day. anybody that's amazing right now is cursed by the fact they're playing at the same time as Aaron Donald, and before that, it was J.J. Watt. We'll get to Donald idea. in a minute, because if you're on the YouTube channel, you, there'll be a video coming up about you breaking him down, and we'll talk about his game in a second. Um, yeah, it's just a weird... Weird season for the Eagles now. I mean, they're still they're still strong in the right places. Um, if you're an Eagles fan, you're sitting here saying sitting there saying they blew this game. If you're a Panthers fan, I made the joke. I feel like Cam Newton every every week at about three forty five or so. He just he's leading a comeback three forty five three fifty. He's trying to lead a comeback, and this one he, he pulled it off. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not like they're out of it yet because the rest of that division isn't exactly you know dominant either the giants have one win the cowboys are still three and four the same as the eagles and only washington is four and two yeah so the division is still there to be won, but they're obviously in a hole they're in a hole they didn't expect to be in but you know if you were if you were in the afc west and you were three and four like say the broncos you can pretty much say the season's toast already because yeah. the chiefs are running away with it they look dominant well, there's another team in there chasing the wild card you're you're screwed the eagles are still well in the the race for that division they this has been my point acting. sorry this has been my point about the nfc the whole year i don't know that you're going to define teams by record because in any given week the panthers right i mean you i think the eagles are a better team than the panthers but i'm also not surprised that the panthers came out with a win i mean i think a lot of teams are better than the panthers and they always find a way to do a little bit better than their record but I think that's just the NFC. And I think any of these teams, you go to the North, like you said, whether it's the Packers, the Vikings, those teams are all scary come playoff time, even scary for the Rams. As good as the Rams are, and they, they are above all these other teams, the Rams aren't a shoe-in to just beat the Eagles, the Vikings, the Packers in any given week. And that's why I think the NFC is just going to be so incredible down yeah. the stretch. I mean, if you just look at, say, points differential, right? The Rams are way ahead of anybody else in the NFC. So they, they have 107 more points scored than they've conceded. But everybody else is just chaos. Right. The, you know, the Bears have 36 more points scored than they've conceded, and they're bottom of the NFC North right now. Um, the, the Lions above them actually have a negative points differential. The Redskins are top of their division. They have the worst uh, they have the worst points differential of the three teams that aren't the Giants. Obviously, the Giants just suck. It's amazing. Um, so, like, it's you're right. It's it's a mess. The NFC right now has not yet sorted itself out and may not for the remainder of this season. And it's going to mean the teams like the Eagles, who are hovering around 500, are probably going to be firmly in it. They just need to kind of catch fire at the right time. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – look, it's a good race. I, I'm not I'm not ready to write the Eagles off either. I mean, it's, it's just a wide-open – just a wide-open NFC. Uh, let's get to a couple more games to touch on. Browns at the Bucks. 
Browns play overtime again. Yeah. Big surprise. Apparently, it's not a record. Four times they played overtime this season already. Uh, the record is five over a season. Yeah, my wife was asking me yesterday. She's like, that has to be a record, right? I'm like, yes, honey. Come on. Yeah. That's a record. No, but I didn't know. Apparently I didn't know. not. There was, um, there's been more. It, there was a point late in the game. It felt like Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston, your, both ends of your love and hate spectrum, were both just trying to lose. Like, what can I do? How bad of a sack can I take to lose this game for my team? Like, Baker Mayfield did not play well in this game. In fact, he was playing pretty badly for most of it. Then kind of seemed to get get on track late in the game, was starting to get things right. And then that fourth down fumble that was just, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. You, you had it. And then you could let a guy catch you from behind and knock the ball out. And there's the game, essentially. And that's it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, it was rough. That was a rough finish. Um, I don't know if you're the Browns, you just continue to find new ways to try to lose games. It's really quite impressive. Even with the great Baker Mayfield, the quarterback. Yeah. The, I'm not I'm not going to go into this whole culture thing or whatever, but you, but you got Hugh Jackson going after Todd Haley and saying he's going to, you, you know, start calling plays, even though he did that the last two years when they won one game. I mean, there's so much at stake or at play here with the Browns. I still, I just think, I think there's going to be some fresh blood in there soon. And yeah. They're going to be a very good team. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. It was one of those things where, like, even just at hard knocks, watching it, it's clear that that is not, there's not enough synergy with everybody in that building, right? Yeah. We're trying to be somebody, as, as polite as possible here. Somebody is not going to be there in a year's time. I don't know who, but clearly all of these people in this building right now working together are unlikely to be doing so yeah. for that much longer. And then I think when there's maybe different voices combined with the players that they have on the roster yeah i think they'll be a good football team denzel ward remains playing really well yep uh four targets against Deshaun jackson like two catches 25 yards and had a pass breakup in there um, another strong game from him again making it look like at least the browns do appear to have nailed their first two picks even if baker mayfield has had a couple of rough outings as of late yeah for sure how about Carl Nassib picking up a couple sacks? Now, look, that, that the stat sheet's going to show the two sacks. He had 38 rushes to yeah. get them. Um, and so it wasn't... And it was it the only efficient. pressure he had. It was the only pressure right. that he had, right? Uh, JPP was the best pass rusher up front, and he's not a great pass rusher. He's a, he's a run-first guy. I mean, he, that was a classic JPP game. The Bucks still have issues getting after the quarterback and generally covering on the back end, but this is one of their better games that they played this year, yeah. defensively. In the uh, Jameis Coaster continued Jameis Coaster we need in game Jameis Coaster New Orleans and Baltimore the only thing we need to talk about here is the fact that Justin Tucker missed an extra point what 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 I don't understand it cost him the game yeah I mean credit Flacco he had a couple big throws down the a couple really nice throws down the stretch, including what should have been the game tying touchdown, they score. But only, it only counts for six, so they it wasn't score really the, the touchdown. Tie. We're going to kick the extra point. We're going to overtime. I mean, Justin Tucker, who has never missed an extra point in his career up until now, misses the slices point. one wide right, wide right, and then gives it a look of like, what the hell? Like he, I mean, it's not yeah. you know, you see kickers where the ball comes out, and it's like, oh no, that was me. He, like, he kicked it, took a look at what it did, and went, what the hell just happened to that? It was perfect to start. Yeah, and then it's like sliced off to the right like a bad golf shot. Didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, Drew Brees sharp for the Saints again. Uh, offensive line was good at the tackle position. Man, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchak. 
like running away with the you know best tackle tandem in the NFL. They didn't race. allow a pressure collectively and dominated in the run game. Interior was not nearly as good for the Saints, but man, those tackles. We got to do a breakdown on those guys, Armstead and Ramchek. I mean, they've been incredible. Taysom Hill played twenty six snaps on offense. I'm so torn on this because he does <laughs> he does add value. But um, I made the argument. Remember a couple years ago when the Patriots signed Tim Tebow? Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, Tim Tebow is going to be the, the goal line runner. And I'm like, yeah. this, do, this doesn't make any sense. Well, he's probably the third best goal line runner on the team anyway. And why would you ever take Tom Brady off the field because play action and all this stuff? I say the same thing about Drew Brees. Why would you ever take the ball out of Drew Brees' hands because of the threat of the play action and all that stuff? And I still believe that to my core, but Taysom Hill still making it work other than they had that, you know, but option fumble and all that. By contrast, Lamar Jackson had five snaps on offense. And every time it happens, people are like, why are they doing this ridiculous Lamar Jackson package? Blah, blah, blah. Taysom Hill had 26. Yeah. Take five times but, more. But it's because Taysom Hill, let's look at the breakdown. He had five runs. He had three plays where he was involved in a pass he had 16 plays that we considered a run block so essentially i'm not saying he was specifically blocking but there's a couple times they use him as an h-back in a blocker Uh and he's not the ball carrier and he had two times he was considered a pass blocker so there's some sort of play action or whatever trickeration so it's not he's just you know running the ball every single time they're actually letting him block and do other things and run routes right i'm just saying it's that's a that's a crazy amount of snaps for a guy that's still essentially a gimmick it's fascinating he's a really good athlete for a 40 year old or whatever he is he was in matt barkley's recruiting class at quarterback wow matt barkley that's 2000, the 2009 recruiting class before he went on his Mormon mission. Uh, so credit the Saints again. That's a tough road win against the Ravens. Drew Brees now beaten every single NFL team. All 32. Yeah, only the third guy to do it after Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. Because uh, Drew Brees, like unlike Tom Brady, who's never beaten the Patriots, Drew never. Brees beat the Saints back when he was a San Diego Charger. Right. And of course, Favre and Manning both moved. Uh, teams to the point where they got to beat their original. Brady will beat the Patriots in four or five years. Yeah, once they have to go Favre on them and turf them out of the building. Yeah, at some point when they find their next guy. All right, a couple more games to fly through. Redskins beat the Cowboys in a game that the Redskins kind of controlled until the end. It was a little... This was another weird one. Dak tried to lose the game, then they came back a little bit, missed the field goal at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The kickers just suck. Um, the, Don't leave it to kickers. The Redskins' defensive front was really dominating against oh, Dallas. What are you going to write about this week, columnist? I don't know yet. You're a Washington Redskins columnist. Yeah, there's some options on the table. Uh, we're going to mull it through after this podcast, hmm. but I don't really have the mental agility to be deciding that and replying to it whilst recording the podcast. Sorry to so, uh, put you on the spot yeah, there. Yeah, we're going to hang fire on it a little bit. But uh, up front, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan, Zach Brown, Preston Smith, the whole basically front seven of the Redskins was dominant against Dallas. Did you see the play? You did see the play because I sent it to you. But my boy, Matt Ioannidis, your boy, basically tossed Zeke Elliott aside like a rag doll to make, uh, I think he got a hit, maybe just a hurry on the play. But Zeke Elliott is a big fella, right? Okay, yeah. he's only a running back. Toss him. For a running back, he's a pretty big guy, like 220 plus. Yep. And Matt Ioannidis literally tossed him aside. Like, that was impressive. Yeah. Also, that was after he tossed aside the tight end of the line, right? So he beats one guy. Then Zeke comes in to try and clean up the pass blocking and literally just gets tossed to the floor as he runs after Dak Prescott. That was pretty impressive. It was. Yeah, so this was uh, 
not a bad NFC East game, but again, just continues to add to the confusion. The Cowboys continue to struggle on the road, Sam. Yes. Different team, mm. home and away. Uh, how'd your boy Vander Esch do? Leighton? He got hurt at one point in the game. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't check him before, so I'm putting myself on the spot here. Yeah, 21 snaps. I think he Only got hurt. snaps. I um, saw him make a couple plays. Uh, Sean Lee just plays at a whole different speed and level when yeah. he's out there. I mean, that linebacker core has the chance to be really special. If you get him, uh, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Van Der Esch on the field at the same time, even if you then drop one of them for nickel situations, etc., those are three really good players. I think you. Could, I don't think these teams are nearly at the level as, say, the Eagles, the Packers, and Vikings, potentially. But it, again, I think we just chalk this up to any week in the NFC. These teams are beating each other up, and they're all going to land between 7-9 and nine and 9-7. Nine and seven. Yeah. And it's, you know a couple bounces here and there by the end of the season let's get to the rams domination of the 49ers and just focus on aaron donald for a minute yeah uh his grade this year is better than any grade we've seen so he's already been the number one player in the pff 100 101 pff 50 the last couple years he's the best player in the nfl yeah and now he's getting better Pretty much. Playing better, playing at a higher level. Yeah. Play for play. I mean, the uh, Ndamukong Sue coming over has probably helped him. It's at least ensured that he's almost never going to get double teamed, like legitimately double teamed, because there's just too many guys on that defensive front that you have to worry about. Right. It frees him up to get those one-on-one blocks, and one-on-one he is essentially unblockable. Like, he is going to beat that guy. It's just a case of how long it takes and, you know, what you can make happen in that time. Yeah, he even bull rushed... uh Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, and that guy's got 15 years worth of experience behind him. Right. You're used to, you've seen a few stunts. You've seen day, everything. If you're Mike McGlinchey. He's seen it all. But I mean, even he hasn't seen Aaron Donald. And yet he wasn't able to live with it. Um, six total pressures, including four sacks, uh, seven defensive stops, an average depth of tackle in the run game, one and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage, um, which is by far the highest of anybody this week who had more than one tackle. You know, so a few people got like a minus three-yard tackle. And then that was it. That was all they did. He but has. Can I reference plus minus real quick? You're not allowed to do that. You know, just just for perspective's sake, he has multiple games this year where if you just took that game, he's a top 15 plus minus <laughs> interior defensive lineman. How's that one? Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Multiple games, like three or four games where he's a top 15 interior defensive lineman. And again, the plus minus is just stacking up, you know, plus, 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 minus. You know, it's just stacking it all up. Uh, when you convert the whole thing, it's a 95 plus grade that Donald has. And if you, if, you go, if you guys have PFF Elite and you check out his player page, you'll see that's the highest grade of his career. So an already dominant career looking even better. That's clearly the highlight of the uh, 49ers Rams game yesterday yeah it's the highest grade of his career it's the highest grade at any position in the NFL right now he is the standard bearer in terms of dominant play in football right now there is no better player than Aaron Donald yeah pretty impressive very impressed by Aaron Donald any other uh, takeaways in that game uh no that was pretty much it Aaron Donald remains ridiculous just tore through the 49ers offense that limited them to pretty much anything I mean the other side of the ball it's almost getting kind of boring you know mundane the rams are just able to rack up points almost at will 
Like it's not, it's not. A, I don't think it's ex- as, as exciting as the Chiefs' offense, which is more explosive, which is more sort of physically dominant. It's more based on individual players doing freaky things like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt breaking tackles and launching himself sidearm over the pylon, that kind of thing. Like the Rams just carve you to pieces. They just go out there and run these plays, and you can't deal with it. And but there's a lot. The there's a lot of the same elements. There's a ton yeah. of jet motion. There's a ton of like little nuanced things that just give you like a one defender advantage or one one player advantage against the defense that opens up open throws that opens up runs. Uh, Todd Gurley statistically, he's he, speaking of the MVP race. People are going to talk about him in the MVP race. We will completely disagree with that because. I mean, first off, Jared Goff's the most valuable player, but even when you look at Goff and everything that he has around him, I mean, this is a full-on scheme and system, and Gurley's just the byproduct of all these other things. He's good, but the most valuable player in the NFL, Sam? No. No. Running backs at this point can only value add once everything else is already set. So if everything else is good, running backs can be the difference between really good and like impossible to deal with. But and that's it, where a guy like that's where Gurley and a guy like Kareem Hunt are yeah, right now. But as soon as one of those five things falls apart, the running back is done. Like the offensive line falls to pieces, Todd Gurley goes bad. If the scheme disappears, the quarterback isn't there. We see with Saquon Barkley, it doesn't matter what the rest of it looks like. So a running back just simply cannot be that valuable anymore. Right. So it's, the days are gone where a running back can make that kind of needle-moving impact. If you've watched uh, Jared Goff over the last few weeks, he had a few unlucky, unlucky interceptions this week. It offset a little bit. He had a couple uh, disastrous passes that did not get picked off that should have. Uh, one last thing. There was a college game this weekend. If you guys have been following our uh, discussion about the 49ers and all the three techniques that they have, the three-technique position where you just put the defensive tackle over the guard, yeah. let him rush, and we said, look, the Niners have like 12 of these guys but mm-hmm. no edge defenders. And we jokingly said, you could just stack them all up yeah. over the guard. Everybody comes through the B-gap. Well, a college team did that this weekend. Our, our uh, analyst screenshotted it and sent it into one of our Skype chats and said, check this out. And I said, there it is. It's the play I came up with. B-gap explode is what we call it, Sam. That's what you call it. That's what I call it. Yeah. I stacked up seven of them. I forget who this was, Appalachian State or something. They stacked up three guys. I think it was over the center. Just vertically. Over the center. There was no other defensive lineman, and I don't even know what they did. I just saw the well, screenshot. Well, that's the thing, right? I want to know what they did. We'll go back. We'll go back and find the play. Uh, maybe we'll diagram that out, too, when we get here on Thursday. But uh, Like, I'm reasonably interested that they did that as a look, but now I want to know what happened. I want to know, too. Well, we'll get Bobby Sloak to run this thing. Yes. The Niners have nothing to lose. It's time to run. Yeah, why not? Explode. Stack up your three techs. Play to your strengths. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Earl Mitchell, uh, Sheldon Day, yep. Solomon Thomas. Uh-huh. They're all three techs. Who else yeah. am I missing? They're all in there. Cassius Marsh, get them all up over the guard and wreak some havoc. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I say, I say go for it. Awesome. We're looking to see that next week, Bobby Slowick. Go Niners. Hope you guys uh, bounce back. All right, guys, that'll do it. That'll do it for week seven. Uh, we'll be back later in the week previewing week eight. But for now, be sure to go get your P- PFF premium stats. It's all a part of your elite package. You'll get your green line picks at midnight tonight. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, I believe so. That's the best time to get it. Green line, midnight tonight. You get your first look at the picks. Best value is tomorrow. And then premium stats filling in the rest of the day. All part of your PFF elite package. Special thanks to our sponsors as well. We will talk to you guys on Thursday.
Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.